0: was talking about the fact that he in order to get here he had to drive all the way from Katy and fight through all of that traffic and if you know anything about that traffic out there and I'm sure you do it's it's a madhouse so it's always refreshing whenever you know that someone wanted to be here so bad that they made a trip like that so but we're glad to see each one of you Proverbs chapter fourteen. Uh, Let me point out before we get started and what we're going to do. We're just going to try to take bite-sized pieces each week. We're not going to try to race through it. We don't have any set number of verses we're going to try to get through. We're just going to start and and, uh, stop whenever we feel like uh, we've uh, reached that point uh, each night. But in this chapter, uh, 35 verses and the conjunction but is used. 27 times that's nearly every verse we see the word but and of course that uh, used here meaning to the contrary and it's showing a contrast between good and evil and right and wrong the very thing that the world doesn't understand you know and uh, so the lord is showing us that contrast and uh, I was working on the message today, I, I don't know if I'll preach it Sunday night, maybe, I'm, I'm not sure, but, uh, you know, it, it it just deals with the, uh, anyway, I, like I tell Bev, I, I'll start, I think I'm going to preach about this Sunday. You said, no, 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 don't tell me, I don't want to hear any of it, you know, because <laughs> I've been known to preach it in the car going down the road sometimes, but... Uh, it, it's hard not to say anything, but you just let something just really get a hold of your heart, and you you just you, you can't let go of it. Verse one: Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. Uh, one writer, I, I can't remember who it was, said the word "home" has hardly a meaning without the presence of a virtuous woman, and a home has seldom been wrecked while a virtuous woman remained in it. Wow, what a tribute that is to uh, to godly women, and uh, it's recognized by the writer of that statement, and I think that's something that, that all all of us know, we're all aware of that, and you know, there's so many times, you know, if maybe you're having to a, be a, a special anniversary in my ministry or this or that or the other. And I I hope I never fail to mention the fact that, and I mean it when I say it, I'm not just trying to, you know, make Bev feel good. It, it would have been impossible for me to have gone all of these years without her. I mean, she is... Uh, not just my best friend and greatest love, but, I mean, she is uh, the one I rely on uh, more than anybody in all of the world. And, and and chances are you feel that way about your wife, and it's just so very important that they understand how important they are. Because you better believe there are a lot of women that... Uh, uh, you know that well. Maybe they've not been respected. They've not been honored. They've, you know, and, and they've just been browbeat. You just and and, and I'm going to use the word. The world would say they don't have any self-esteem, and you know we we know what they mean by that, and, and it's true. They just feel awful about themselves, don't have any sense of purpose in life, and. And, and they they need to know how important they are. And the Bible tells us every woman buildeth, every virtuous woman buildeth her house. Boy, that's a strong statement, uh, but it's got to be true, right? Because that's what God said. And so, regardless of how godly a man is, without a virtuous woman, the home is sure to suffer. Whenever we think about that word, help me, way back over in Genesis and. Uh, Whenever God made Eve for Adam, and that word means a completer, she is the one that completes him. And uh, we we need to remember that. She is the one that completes us. She's the one that can either make us or break us. And with all of that in view, you know, we need to be praying, Oh, dear God, give us more virtuous women, wise women, godly women. The woman's evident, uh, wisdom here is evidence. Notice by her attitude toward her home. He's telling us the wise woman builds it up, while the foolish woman tears it down. And um, uh, you know, just if you just sit back and think about different women that you know, and and, and it's pretty evident where their priorities are. You know, with some it might be. Uh, well, just the things of the world. With others, it might be their career. With others, it might be, you know, something else. Uh, but the Bible is emphatic about the fact that women are beekeepers keepers at home. That doesn't mean they can't do anything else. It doesn't even mean that, if necessary, that they can't work outside the home. It's not saying that at all. But her primary interest is to be a homekeeper, and uh, she ought to be proud of that fact and and ought to be honored as a result of it. We, we need virtuous women like the, the virtuous woman in Proverbs chapter 30. and. Uh, I, I don't need to read that. All of you are familiar with that, but boy, and we'll get to it someday. But uh, wow, what a what a testimony of a virtuous woman! And uh, and if you have a virtuous wife, why, you you need to uh, encourage her every way you possibly can. Verse number two: He that walketh in his uprightness. Feareth the Lord, but he that is perverse in his ways despiseth him. Now, in a nutshell, what this is telling us is that conduct reveals character. And uh, our outward behavior is, is manifesting or revealing what our inner beliefs are. And the person, notice, that fears God, what do they do? They walk uprightly. Whenever we think about what a lot of people are doing in the world today, for those of you that know the Lord and you honor the Lord, you reverence the Lord and you love the Lord, you'd be scared to death to even think about doing what, what some people do. Uh, the difference is is that you have a healthy fear of God and they have None. And and he's telling us here that the wicked person despises God. And by the way, you don't have to ask people how they feel about God because all you have to do is just observe the way that they live and you can tell. You know, if you took a survey, uh, do a man-on-the-street type survey and just stop people and ask them what they think about God and boy, I, just about everybody would have some real nice glowing answer to give oh yeah I, I i love the lord i you know he he's my rock he's the one i depend on i pray every day this or that or the other you can, listen you can find people in bar rooms and everywhere under the sun that 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 will say nice things about god but but the way that we are able to understand their true attitude toward God is through their beliefs and their and, and their behavior and, and their behavior a lot of times belies their their testimony they say one thing and do another and we see that in the world today we We hear about uh, supposedly you know gay churches and you 'd be amazed at how many. Uh, people that, you know, say they're gay also profess to be Christians. I mean, it's a a shocking number. And, uh, you know, the Bible clearly lets us know those two are not compatible. They do not go together. It's absolutely contrary one to the other. But it just shows you how mixed up and how confused and upside down people are in the world today. And it's all because of what? They do not have any fear of God. And that's the reason for their perverseness or the crookedness of their ways is because there's no fear of God in their eyes. Now, verse number 3. In the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride, but, flip side of the coin again, but the lips of the wise shall preserve them. Notice this the word rod, in the mouth of the foolish, is a rod of pride. Now, normally when we think about a, a rod, we think about the chastening rod. We think about a stick or a limb or uh, something of that nature here. But the literal meaning of the word rod is a shoot or a growth, uh, something that is growing up. And so he's saying in the mouth of the foolish there is a, there is a shoot or a growth Of pride, and the point the point is is that that uh, what he says reveals what is in his heart. In other words, there's evidence of it. Uh, If you go out here and plant a seed, uh, after a while that seed is going to come up, and it's going to reveal the nature of the seed that was planted. And the mouth of the foolish, he says, there is a growth or there is a shoot of pride. And the the idea is that if you let somebody talk long enough, and eventually the pride will show through. Watch them interact with other people. And it won't be long before the pride shows through because uh, usually in some way or another they'll... They'll show contempt for others with their cutting little remarks or whatever it is, and and they'll begin to boast about themselves. Well, the result of that's what? We talked about that in the last chapter, didn't we? Only by pride cometh contention. Uh, And so if we get rid of the pride in our homes and the pride in our churches, uh, you know, we wouldn't have any contention whatsoever. So many times, you know, uh, there will be an argument or debate, a difference of opinion, something like that, that seemingly is just a very minor issue, and actually is. But somebody get their feelings hurt because of their pride, you know. And they don't get their way, and it's like, you know, uh, my idea, my suggestion wasn't adopted, and, you know, that injures their pride, and so what do they do? Well, as a result of that, you know, they they go on the offense. They, they try in some way or another to prove that they had a better idea, and they try to not only critique but to criticize and to condemn what the other person does. So uh, you, whenever you watch people interact one with another, uh, sooner or later that stem, that growth of pride is going to reveal itself in, 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 the, in, in the life of a foolish person, but the lips of the wise. So there's the contrast. The foolish person here, somebody whose heart is full of pride, and eventually it shows the lips of the wise shall preserve them. And so in, 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 in opposition to what the proud man does uh, in criticizing other people and so forth, uh, the wise man doesn't verbally abuse other people uh, and consequently he 's preserved from harm as a result of that then naturally, the harm is what would come from the conflict, i guess, or could come from chastisement uh, from the lord but rather than rather than trying to verbally abuse others, he, he speaks words that that promote peace and, and and all of us need to think about that because a lot of times As I've said so many times, we can say the right thing the wrong way and do as much damage with the truth as though we'd spoken air. And I believe that with all my heart, and I believe that because I know it's true, because I've been guilty of that, especially the first year as a young preacher. uh, I was very guilty of that, saying all of the right things, but with the wrong attitude, the wrong spirit, and, and consequently instead of building up, you end up tearing down and uh, it, it's a horrible mistake that a lot of young preachers make, but not just young preachers. There's a lot of people that live year after year after year with that kind of an attitude, and so uh, we've got to be careful as we, uh, uh, you know, talk one with another and uh, the way that we uh, interact. I was talking to someone this week and about a particular issue and and uh, and. I mentioned this, I won't go into the details of the conversation, but you know a lot of times we as adults, it becomes very easy for us to assume that because we're older and we've known this kid for so many years, of course they can be 25 or 30 now, but we've known them for many years, that we can still talk to them like they're an 8-year-old or something. And, and I want to tell you, you, you can't believe how much harm that does, uh, whenever, whenever we do that. We need to treat each other with dignity and respect. And, and, you know, not only should, you know, the younger respect the elders, the elders ought to have a measure of respect for the youngers, and we ought to weigh our words and make sure that we don't verbally abuse them. And look, it benefits you. The lips of the wise shall preserve them. And, And so it's going to benefit you and me whenever we... Uh, speak what we should instead of what we sometimes feel, and that, all of this shows the importance of what he said back in chapter four, verse twenty-three: "Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life." And uh, we've got to set a guard on our heart because everything issues from within. And, uh, you know, that's the reason uh, and somebody said, Well, you know, I, 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 yeah, I know I said that, but I didn't mean that. And, and, you know, I know it's possible to have a slip of the tongue and say something you didn't really mean. But most of the time, you know, people... In fact, Jesus said, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. And, and so, you know, we say what we do because there's something wrong in our heart And eventually, eventually the corruption of our heart shows up in our conversation with other people. So keep thy heart. Talking about the book of Proverbs, one of the very best ways to do that is to, as I've suggested many times, use the book of Proverbs as your monthly calendar. And every day, you know, whatever the day of the month is, if it's, you know, the, what is today, the 8th? 8th, I think, uh, read Proverbs chapter number 8. And and then, of course, when you get near the end, you're going to have to sometimes read an extra one or two, but that won't kill you. But it's just a really good way to spend a lot of time in the Proverbs. And uh, the older I get, the the stronger I feel about the importance of spending a lot of times in Proverbs and in Psalms. Uh, both of them are absolutely tremendous. And that's not to say we're to neglect other parts of the Bible. But but it, it's just, you know, a daily reminder to us as we go through Proverbs. And I'll guarantee you, whatever the issue that's going on in your life sooner or later in Proverbs, it's going to get right down where you live. I mean, God designed it that way. And so, as you start each day reflecting on what the the Bible says in the Book of Proverbs, it'll help you to be able to examine your heart, and that'll change your life. Verse four. Verse four. Where uh, this this is one of those verses that man, you could just spend an hour. Where no oxen are, the crib is clean. But much increase is by the strength of the ox. Now, this proverb has been by different preachers over the years interpreted in two ways. Or, you know, and how you interpret it depends on how you view this word "crib," uh, the place where, you know, some say it's the place where the food is stored and. Others say it's the place where animals are kept. Well, to me, it's a no-brainer what he's talking about here. You know, if you view it as a storage place for food, such as a pantry or a a cellar, you know, the point is that without industry, that is without hard work and, and so forth, without great effort, there's not going to be any gain because abundant provisions are the result of uh, of hard work and that's pictured there by the ark and uh, uh that's a fact but i i think i think here he's speaking about the fact that uh, it, this is what would be referred to as a stall or a manger a, a place where animals are and whenever you think about it the animals are kept there bedded there and and he says, where no oxen are. If, if you don't have any oxen, he said, the crib's going to be clean. So the question becomes then, would you rather have a clean crib, you know, without all of the noise of the animals, you know, without the odor of the manure, you know, ha- have it like that, or would you rather have the animal and put up with the difficulties associated with the animal. In other words, do you want everything nice and dainty, or do you want it to be useful and fruitful? Because you can't have it both ways. If you want the crib to stay clean, you know, get rid of the ox. But if you get rid of the ox, then you're going to have to do all of the work yourself. And let me tell you, There's no way any of us can do the work of an ox. Uh, You know, that's just a necessary thing if you're going to be farming, you know, back in those days and what have you. It was essential. And pulling wagons and things of that nature, uh, you needed that. But whenever you look at this, you can make a lot of practical applications. For example, you can think about uh, uh, putting the extreme emphasis upon a clean house you know, a house that is clean, the house that is neat, even, even to the point that, that, that you become obsessed with it. And as a result of having a nice, clean, neat house, you destroy the happiness of the family. I, I've told you before, Bev and I come from two entirely different extremes. I was raised, you know, with old linoleum on the floor, tore up, you know, holes tore in it and stuff like that, and uh, outside toilet, and the water outside, didn't have water in the house for a long time till I was almost a teenager before we got indoor plumbing, and uh she was raised in a house where they had carpet in the floor. I was talking about something the other day. I said, you know, the first time I ever rode in an air-conditioned car was whenever I rode in her mom and dad. They had they had a Cadillac, and, <laughs> and it was air-conditioned. And I thought that was the greatest thing in the world. Man, I'd never been in an air-conditioned car before. I, you know, hardly even knew they made such things. And uh, so we were raised quite different. Well, I'm saying all that for a reason, and that is whenever you're raised in a different manner like that, you know, we wouldn't have thought anything about an old hound dog running through the house or something like that. I, I remember as a boy, as a boy, I shouldn't be telling all of this, but as a boy, one of my favorite things was to shoot mice. In the house with the BB gun, you know. Yeah, you sat there at night. We had so many mice in the house, I'm telling you the truth. I could sit there at night and shoot those mice, and I, that, that was a great pastime. Bev's mother would have died if she had found a mouse in the house. I mean, you just didn't do that. So, when we were raising all of the kids, and we were going to... My mother's, this grandmother's, you go over there, and that's kind of the way it was. And uh, homemade bread, though, you know, and stuff like that. And you you go over to Grandma Dorothy's. Boy, I'm telling you, you better not put your feet up on the coffee table. You better not, you know, boy, it was a long, long list. And I love Dorothy with all of my heart. Uh, But she, she was a housekeeper to the point To the point that when we went over, it was actually hard to enjoy the company of a family. There's there got to be a balance. That's what I'm saying. And I I think Bev maintains a good balance. She's a great housekeeper, but yet over the years, as I said the other day, when our kids were growing up, they knew their friends were always welcome at our house. We'd rather have them there than out somewhere else running the streets or whatever. And so... Uh, so, so that's the point I'm trying to make here. If you want a clean crib, you've got to get rid of the ox, but you're going to lose something of great value. And, and if you're going to be that fanatical about a clean house, you're going to end up destroying the happiness of your family. Now, don't, don't misunderstand me. You can go to an extreme in either direction there, by the way. Well, we can make another application. We can think about the church situation. And I think all of us strongly believe that, you know, this is God's property. It really is. And it ought to be respected. We shouldn't put gum on the bottom of the seats. We shouldn't mark on things. We shouldn't, you know, a lot of different things. Well, to show respect for the house of God. But in another sense, it's just a building wherein God's people meet and it is to be used. And as, as this church well knows, whenever you have a Awana ministry and Sunday school ministry and a youth ministry and all of these different things going on, there are going to be some things you know that's going to get broken. Some things, there's going to be some little brat kid right on the wall. Maybe one of my, well, I hope it's not one of mine, but it might be one of my grandkids. You don't ever know but but i 'm just telling you, kids do stuff like that now, we can get rid of all of the kids say uh, you know, put a sign out there, you have to be twenty one years old to attend you know and and, and never calls any never make any ways or cause any problems uh, and so you get rid of all of those problems, but you end up destroying the church and so we look, we need to focus on the blessing instead of the burden. I can remember whenever I was a, a boy and uh, at that particular time, we, we lived uh, well. I guess you would call it in town, but we just lived on a lot and a little old little old house, and, uh, and but didn't have any property. And other than a little garden out back and what have you, that's all we had at that time. But uh, my my two close friends, brothers, a year apart, they lived up behind me, and. Their whole family had been raised in that neighborhood. Old Grandpa John, he still had the big old barn, his horse, Nell. He plowed all of the gardens around there. And and uh, Bill and Jim, uh, w- you know, had to get out and work in the garden. And I mean, they had a huge garden. They probably had, I- I'm guessing, at, at least a couple of acres. And I mean, it was all planted. They, every year, tomatoes and what have you, in addition to that... They had buku chickens. I don't know how many chickens they had. But ever so often, it'd come time to clean out the chicken coop. Oh, I'm telling you what, if you've never cleaned out a chicken coop, that is one of the stinkinest, nastiest. I hated that. But, you know, old, old Mr. Gates would always say, no more baseball, let chicken coops clean out there, so you know i I'd, I'd get out there with them a shovel and get in there and help them clean that up well you know you look you don't have to have a chicken coop and clean out the manure or anything like that if you don't want to but you're not going to have any chickens and you're not going to have any eggs or fried chicken or anything like that and uh, so so we need to we need to look at the blessing instead of the burden and uh, I, I, I know, and whenever I say this, and I'm comfortable saying it because I don't know anybody here that 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 causes a problem like this. But there have been those oh, in years gone by that, well, I won't use the word problem. I'll say an aggravation because every time I'd turn around, you know, it both known. Do you do you know? Those kids, again, somebody did this and somebody did that. And, well, yeah, I I know it doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, What really surprises me is what some adults do. Not so much what the kids do. A kid's a kid. Kids do whatever they can think they can get by with. That's that's the way children are. Uh, But, uh, you know, you just have to put up with that stuff. Uh, Teach teach them the best you can, but there are going to be times, in spite of all that you do, that uh, they're going to do it anyway. Well, I don't know about you, but I'd rather have the ox and the mess than to have a clean crib and have to go out there and plow the garden all by myself. Let's see if we can get through one more verse. Verse 5. A faithful witness will not lie... But a false witness will utter lies. Have you ever, you know, thought about the importance of being a witness? In some cases, folks, it's a matter of life and death. And whenever we think about our judicial system and how dependent it is upon the truthfulness of witnesses, uh, there, there are people that are in prison today because somebody lied. And there are people today that are not in prison, that ought to be in prison, because somebody lied. And so sometimes the guilty are set free, and the innocent are incarcerated, all because a witness lied. And uh, th- there's no judicial system that's perfect, that's for sure, uh, but, but honesty is foundational to the process, and so uh, whether the matter is something that's major or if it's something that is minor, as witnesses, we ought to tell the truth. Notice Jesus, as a faithful witness will not lie, will not lie. In other words, even if he is threatened, even if he is bribed, he's not going to lie because that he is committed to honoring the Lord and, and, and of course God demands honesty. So we ought to thank God for, for people like that. A faithful witness will not lie. You can take it to the bank when they say something, but a false witness will utter lies. You know, sometimes they do that out of fear. And so they'll lie because they're they're trying to avoid something, you know. Uh, and so out of fear they will lie. Sometimes it's out of greed, but then sometimes there's no apparent reason for it. They just they just lie to be lying. And and after a while, I think they begin to believe their their own lies. And. Um, one of the de- people that was most dear to me in my life was a habitual liar. And uh, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I just couldn't believe the things he'd say. And, you know, and I'd been with him and, you know, he'd tell some great old big wild fish story and then he'd nudge me at his elbow and say, Ain't that right, son? He, well, you know, I was a kid and I'd say, Oh, yeah, that's right, you know. And his biggest lie I ever told. And that guy... Uh, <laughs> for years and years, you know, had that, uh, it's more of a bad habit. It's a sin. So whenever whenever we speak with someone, they, they ought to know, hey, you know, you can depend on what that person says, and it's so important. A faithful witness will not lie, period. But a false witness will utter lies. Why does he do that? Well, fear, greed... But when you get right down to the root of the matter, it's because there's corruption in the heart. gets right back to, you know, keep the heart, because out of it uh, are all of the issues of life. Well, Lord willing, we'll pick up in verse 6, where he talks about a scorner. A scorner seeketh wisdom and findeth it not.